this past uh, Sunday, uh, we started a series of sermons from the Lord's Prayer entitled Praying on Purpose, where we're following uh, the outline and the petitions of the Lord's Prayer to guide and instruct us in how we might pray. And our objective is that by learning from God's Word on praying, that we will foster intimacy in our relationship with God, community with each other, and mission in the life spheres where God has sent us. Now, I am very aware that just introducing the topic of prayer can make people feel guilty. Um, if, if I ever want to uh, put a Christian under a guilt trip, all I have to do is say, hey, how's your, how's your prayer life? Um, and usually folks stammer and they hang their head low and, and that kind of thing. That's really not the purpose or the intent of this sermon series at all. Rather, it is to encourage us together to grow in prayer, realizing that probably all of us have room where we have to grow in our prayer lives. I can remember as a young believer, when I first came to Christ, and I, I knew I had the sense that I should pray. And so I would pray at night and I would just sort of pray about this, that, and the other thing, not a whole lot of direction in the prayer. But if the next night when I would go to bed and I would be tired, I would say, you know, God, what I prayed last night, ditto. Um, and, and then I would, I would go and to sleep. And there might be days where something like that would happen. Or we, we can see periods of times in, in our spiritual journeys uh, where we grow and maybe we have a, a little setback and then we grow and the same is true in prayer. And I, I am not one of those people who can say that I'm satisfied with my prayer life, uh, but I am grateful for how the Lord has been growing me in prayer in recent years. And for me, one of the things that has made a difference is realizing, not just knowing, but actually beginning to realize that apart from Christ, I can do nothing, that I am thoroughly dependent upon him and that has grown me in, in my prayer life. So when I talk about prayer through this series, I am not coming to you as a guy who can say, I've got this all together, come follow me. But rather, I am coming to the word of God like you with a desire to grow in the grace of prayer. So let's take a look in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus, we're picking up the middle of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about what is a, a true and genuine believer in contrast to a counterfeit believer that is represented largely by the Pharisees. And he's talking about life in his kingdom and the way in which people in his kingdom act, um, their, their character, and, and the way in which they, they act, which is where we're picking up in the middle here in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus is having a discussion about um, giving, fasting, and prayer. And so we pick up here in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. As we saw last week when we looked at Jesus' opening prayer of our Father who art in heaven, we saw that prayer is really an expression of a relationship that we have with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, That yes, God is near us. He is our Father. Um, And as we begin to move into this week, we see that He is in heaven. We, We get a glimpse of His transcendence. And that's what leads us to this first petition that Jesus teaches us to pray, hallowed be your name. And so I would like for us to look at a few things of what it means to hallow God's name in prayer. And the first thing that we see is that you choose God as your audience when you pray, if you're hallowing God's name. Now, that may sound a little odd. What do you mean that God is is my audience? Who else am I going to pray to? Well, in the early verses of Matthew 6 that we read, Jesus was pointing to the Pharisees who would oftentimes stand in the temples, in the synagogue to pray. Not that standing is wrong, but the reason they were standing. Or they would go to the street corners and they would stand and they would pray so that they could get the attention of other people. The Pharisees wanted people to think, man, aren't those guys spiritual? They're praying all the time. And listen to the way they pray. They must know God so well. And Jesus is saying, it's all a show for man. God is not their intended audience, but other people are their intended audience. And they're going to get the full extent of their reward if that's the way that they're praying. In contrast to that, Jesus is saying that somebody who prays who wants to foster that intimacy with God, who wants to grow in community with each other, who wants to have an impact in their life spheres, is going to pray with God as the sole focus and audience of their prayers. Now, we may be at times tempted to pray, right? Uh, if, if we're asked to call upon to pray publicly or, or when we're maybe in a group setting, that we, we want to come up with a, a really spiritual sounding, really good prayer. Now, spiritual prayers are are a good thing, but if we're in those settings and we're praying to impress the human audience and not God, we're missing the mark in our prayer. Uh, You might uh, know of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a Lutheran pastor in Nazi Germany during the Second World War. And he was writing about how he could struggle with praying to impress himself, if you will. Uh, Bonhoeffer wrote, It is even more pernicious if I turn myself into a spectator of my own prayer performance. I can lay on a very nice show for myself, even in the privacy of my own room. So we must choose then, if you will, not to pray for, to impress ourselves, or or as a catharsis for ourselves, or even to pray to impress other people, but when we pray, we pray with the focus that we are speaking to God. He is the audience that is listening to us. How can we make sure that when we are praying, that we're praying to the right audience, God, with the right motivation, with the the right frame of mind? 
One of the things that can be very helpful for us is just to be quiet for a moment or two before we begin to pray to consider he whose presence we're entering as opposed to just rushing in and starting to talk right away. We can then reflect upon the character of God and realize that he is the one to whom we are praying. But secondly, in addition to hallowing God's name by being very intentional that he is our audience when we pray, we hallow God's name when we give him priority in our prayer. Now, I'm not going to reread these verses, but um, I've colored some words here so that you can see the distinction of the priority that Jesus gives to hallowing God's name for praying about his name, his kingdom, his will. They're represented in the yellow. And then Jesus teaches us to move on to pray about our interests and our needs. Things like give us, forgive us, lead us. That's kind of the pinkish, purplish text there. Now, in in harmony with with this fact, both the, the Old and the New Testaments tell us that The glory of God is the most important thing above all else. Uh, These first three petitions then focus upon the Lord. And then we move on to the things that we are um, coming to the Lord to ask of him. Now, this is not to imply that to be an official bona fide prayer, you have to praise God before you can ask anything of God. You know, you're driving down the road and somebody pulls right out in front of you. You're not going to start off with great and mighty are you, Lord. You're going to say, help me. And that's a legitimate, valid prayer. The psalmist in Psalm 13 said the same thing. Psalm 13, verse 1, um, he starts out pouring out his lament to God. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? So he didn't start off in a position of praying that did, uh, praising God. That doesn't mean that God was not his priority. But as he began to give voice to his complaint and his lament before God, he gained an eternal perspective on the struggles that he was facing so that by the end of the psalm, God was his priority. And he was able to say in verses 5 and 6, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has has dealt bountifully with me. So the, the perspective then is that when we pray, that yes, we bring our requests, our desires, we make them known to God. But we are also concerned about God's preeminence in the world that we want his fame and his glory to grow. We want more and more people to hallow his name and to honor him. Uh, Richard Pratt uh, is a writer of a book entitled Pray With Your Eyes Open. And he conducted a, a very casual experiment when he would be in prayer with other people. And over a number of years, he came to determine that in a prayer of roughly 10 minutes in length, less than 60 seconds of that prayer would be devoted to adoring God or praying about things of interest to God's kingdom and the extension of that kingdom. And so I think that just those kind of uh, 
And again, it wasn't an official scientific study, but I think if we look at our own prayers and some of our own struggles and we hear these things, we realize that the concerns of God expressed in his word can occupy a greater place in our prayers. So how can we do that? Well, we can use scripture when we pray. If you're following along in West Town's Bible reading plan and you're reading in, in Samuel or you're reading in Luke and, and you see uh, the way in which God's interests are portrayed there or, or maybe the enemies of God are fighting against those interests, we can use those things to pray to the Lord in prayer. Perhaps we're led to come across something that uh, reveals the character of God to us as we're re- reading his word. We can then use those uh, things that we're learning in the Word to praise God with. Uh, This book of Psalms is a wonderful place that we can do this, where we can learn about God and His character, and I'll get back to that in a little bit. But even if we think of our requests, even as Jesus offers, teaches us to pray about the things that are on our heart, in addition to the interests uh, things of God, when we bring those requests to God, we can relate them to the character of God. If you're feeling like a failure because you're struggling with a sin and the sin is uh, winning at present, then you need to ask God for, to forgive you and for strength. Relate that to the mercy of God who through the sacrifice of Christ forgives us of our sin and receive that forgiveness with thankfulness in your heart for what God has done. If you've got a big decision coming up, your future is a little uncertain in, this, in, in a matter of significance for you. Then you go to God and you ask him to lead, but you think of him as the God of wisdom who generously gives to us when we ask him for wisdom. Perhaps you're afraid. There is maybe a bully at school or a bully at work, and they're causing you great problems and difficulty. You can use the thoughts of Psalm 27.1 that says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You see, even on our requests, we can focus on who God is and we can use that to bring us comfort and direction in our prayers. But in addition to that, we also hallow God's name when we exalt him when we pray. Hallowed be thy name. We don't hear the word hallowed too often in conversation in our times, like perhaps years ago. But the word hallow comes from the same family of words, meaning that God is holy. And holiness refers to consecrating or setting something aside for God's purposes and use. And so when Jesus teaches us to hallow God's name in prayer, that we are using the name of God, that we are setting it apart for his use and offering him praise and honor to his name. Jesus instructs us to do this specifically with the name of God. What is that referring to? Well, uh, in the times that the scriptures were written, a person's name often was a reflection of who they were or what they did for a living. And the same is true in Scripture. When it reveals the name of God, it is making something known about his character or his attributes to us, 
Or perhaps it is making reference to the way in which God works within the world. And so when we pray with an intention to exalt God, we're thinking about who he is, what he's done in the world, and we're using that to offer praise and thanks to him. We must hallow the name of God, not use it as an expletive when we shut our hand in the door, or expressing our disgust over an object or a person, or even expressing surprise, OMG. No, rather, we are to use the name of God in a holy and righteous way that befits him. When Jesus tells us that we're to keep God's name holy, It's not just an exact reference to his name, but all things that relate to him. Titles that he might be known by, attributes, uh, his character, his works, all of those things are to be used in holy ways as we pray in God. In short, any way in which God makes himself known, we must set aside for that purpose of exalting God and the way in which we use it. And you know, as, as I've looked at my own prayer life and I've wondered you know, where do I fall into that 10-minute prayer? Is, is, is my praise of God less than 60 seconds? And if it is, why is that the case? And I, I've come to a couple conclusions, at least for me. Uh, yours might be different if you're afflicted with the same thing. Is, is that I am far more selfish than, than what I realize. That I want to get on to the things that are of importance to me. More so than I am concerned about the interests of God and mentioning those in prayer. It's kind of like the, uh, the, the young guy who was aware that he wasn't praising God enough in his prayers or he wasn't praying for other people enough. And so he was getting ready to, to sit down and to pray and he resolved that he wasn't going to pray about anything other than God and other people. But by the end of the prayer, he said, and Lord, would you please give my mother a beautiful daughter-in-law? You, you see, there, there are times that we just can't help ourselves. Uh, we, we always go back to the things that are of great concern to us. Now, here's the thing. God is also greatly concerned about the things that are of concern to us. He invites us to cast our anxieties upon him because he cares for us. But that can't be the sole or even the primary focus of our prayer. We must move beyond our own interests and reflect the interests of God in prayer. And the other reason why that we may not praise God as much in prayer, or or at least as as I've been thinking through this, is, is maybe I don't know God as well as I think I do. And the reason why the time of praise or adoration in my prayer is so short is because I'm running out of things to think of to to praise God. And I've got all kinds of book learning. Uh, Yes, I have been to seminary, so on and so forth, been a believer a long time. But if I'm not using what I've learned as a means of offering praise to God, then I have fallen short of why I am learning those things. But as we begin to pray in this manner, as we begin to focus on the Lord and his interests, as we begin to make them a priority in our lives, you know what's going to happen? 
the devil's going to try to trip us up like he always does whenever we try to pray. We will learn very quickly that prayer is spiritual warfare. So then what do you do if you find out that you've been tripping up, that you've been getting distracted or off track when it comes to the way in which you want to pray to hallow God's name? Well, the best advice I can give you is to pray about your praying. Ask God for help. Say, Lord, I I want to learn how to praise you more in in my life. I'm struggling here. Help me. Uh, Lead me to other believers that, that can help me. Give me focus in the strength of your spirit that I might worship you the way in which you are due. This desire to exalt God in prayer cannot end with our prayers, however. Finally, we see that hallowing God's name means that we live what we pray. We are to glorify God, not only with our lips in prayer, but we are to glorify God in our thoughts, in our motives, in our words, in our actions, both the things that we don't do and the things that we undertake and do. If we don't do that, if we do not follow through with what we say in prayer, well, then we are committing hypocrisy like the Pharisees. That word hypocrite was referred to an actor on stage, somebody that was giving a performance. In other words, we're merely performing before God as opposed to being sincere before God. And here's the thing, God knows the difference. We might be able to fool those human audiences, but we can never deceive or pull the wool over God's eyes. This issue of of hypocrisy is one that we can struggle with in a variety of of settings. It's like the, the husband and wife that were planning a trip to the Holy Land. And the husband says to the wife, while we're at the Holy Land, wouldn't it be awesome if we went to Egypt and we stood on Mount Sinai, and we shouted out the commands of God? And his wife replied, I think it would be better if we stayed home and followed them. You see, there are many ways where we, 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 our devotion can be, while, while intentioned in our heart and focused on our lips, oftentimes we can struggle in the actual implementation of it. If God's name, if we desire for God's name to be glorified, it's not only going to transform our prayers, it's going to transform our relationships within our home, the way in which husband and wife, parent and children, siblings interact with each other. It's it's going to impact our relationships within the church, what we value with each other, the way in which we treat and talk about one another, it's going to affect the way in which we interact with the people in the world who do not yet know Christ as we seek to show them the glory and the majesty of God. As we've undertaken this sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, I've mentioned that there are three things that we're going to be working towards, a a prayer potential, a prayer mission, and a prayer vision. The prayer potential is just some way that through the sermon or the scripture reading or perhaps the music in the service, that you're realizing that you would like to grow in prayer. Prayer mission is a way in which you would like to pray about the people in your spheres of your life that you can um, use the Lord's Prayer 
to pray for those people to help move them closer to Jesus or his people. And our prayer vision will be at the end of this series, I'll just give you a a brief guideline that you can fill out that you would say, 12 months from now, I would like my prayer life to look like this. And then you commit that to God. And by the strength of his spirit, you work so that you can grow that way in prayer. We've, uh, I've suggested that each week you identify something in the sermon that you can use in your prayer time for that week. And so, for instance, if we're talking about hallowing God's name, what would that look like this week? Well, there's just one suggestion uh, that you could possibly um, say, but please come up with your own, that you say, you know what, much of my prayer life, I really focus on my interests and needs and not on adoring the Lord in worship. So this week in prayer, when I, when I undertake in prayer, I'm going to set aside a portion of my prayer time each week that I'm going to worship God in prayer. I'm going to exalt him. Your takeaway this week might be something different. Keep a list, write it down. And at the end of the, the series, you're going to use those things that you've identified in your prayer potential for the week and helping you to create your prayer vision. But in regards to your prayer mission, if, if you remember that graph that we had when we went through our first Thessalonians uh, sermon series on loving people the way Jesus loves people and seeking to be used of the Lord to help lead people closer to Christ and his church, uh, said, you know, look at where you go on a weekly basis. Where are your patterns? What are the people that you interact with and see? Identify them all. And then from that, come up with three names of people that you would like to pray for, asking God to help you use them to reach or equip them with the good news of Jesus Christ. And then use the petition of the Lord's Prayer to pray for them. So maybe this week in your prayer mission, one of the things that you're praying for is, Lord, help these three people to know you and revere your name. That's simple. But as we seek to honor the Lord in prayer, in our own prayer lives, in our interaction with God, as we seek His glory in the spheres of our lives where He takes us, God is going to honor that prayer. And we will begin to see how God will move in response to prayer. Let us pray together.